Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by CureAd Performance Series, the official medical supplier of Ironman, and you can find all the CureAd products on Amazon today. Find Your Finish Line is not only about finding it at a race or an event, but in life. I'll talk with successful people who have overcome all odds to get to their finish lines in life and at the races. And my guest today is one that's done that plenty of times. She's a four-time top five Kona finisher uh, in, in the female professional ranks. Uh, we'll talk about that. She's a six-time Ironman champion, 12-time 70.3 champion, former ice hockey player growing up turned triathlete who lives in Bend, Oregon with her husband, Wyatt. Hello, Heather Jackson. Hey, Mike. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, thanks for being on, and and congratulations too. I I I, I miss being with you at the uh, the Herbalife Triathlon in Los Angeles, uh, where you, one of your great sponsors, because that's such a great event up there. Oh my God! Yeah, I know we miss you this year, but yeah, it was. It's so funny. Like it's definitely not. Um, necessarily my distance race being an Olympic distance, but it's one of my favorites. It's so cool just to get to race through downtown LA. I mean, no other point is Los Angeles shut down and you get to bike and run your way through the city. So it's, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope my schedule coincides this year where I could have got that weekend open because it's one of one of, after the only the one time I did it in 2019, it's first year. It's one of my favorites already. It's something how you can put on an event like that in Los Angeles. It, it was great. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's th this coming year. It's the weekend right after St. George. Ironman champs. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. I won't be, I, I won't be wiped out or anything, <laughs> but, but it's only an Olympic distance. So <laughs> we'll both go up there together. Yeah. Well, I, I like everyone else just love your post and here, here, we know what you were doing early in the, you know, the off season here, you went to Maui with the, you know, the Hall family and had a good old time. Then all of a sudden we see a post and you, you're in Bend, Oregon and look behind you. You've got all this snow. Is, is that how you do your down time going from extreme to extreme? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's uh, been quite a few weeks uh, in terms of, yeah, I, I race Florida. And then I saw you super briefly at Ironman Arizona a week or two later, um, kind of just recovering still from Florida. And then actually, um, the Hoffs, uh, <laughs> Kelsey, we had planned a potential vacation. Um, like in, I think it was August timeframe. We had both thought maybe we would race the Xterra world champs. Um, and so we had originally planned to go to Maui around that time frame any, anyways. And then both Hoff and I decided, um, I think it was October, November, like, eh, probably don't want to keep pushing after Florida and try to, uh, do Xterra. So, but we still wanted to go to Hawaii. It had been over two years since we'd been there. Um, we had flights, so we're like, let's still go as a, and actually have a Hoff season vacation. So <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. And then, um, I wanted to get back here to bend, um, even if it's just for a few weeks, just it has been two years all through COVID. Wadi and I were down in Tucson and we didn't come back up. Just my parents are up here, my family, but we didn't want to risk um, the travel. And it was still when you were supposed to stay at home. And so I had missed two winners and I absolutely love the snow. I love going to the mountain. I love snowboarding. I love skate skiing. And I love just breaking up um, the swim bike run with getting in training here, like, um, different styles, skate skiing. Um, and so I actually flew here from Maui. Wadi is down in Tucson for about a week right now, just taking care of a few year end things. All my bikes are there. So he's getting those all cleaned up and ready for next season. Um, and then he's going to drive our camper van is down in Tucson. So he's going to drive up with everything, but we split ways when we left Maui a couple of days ago. So <laughs> I love that. You, you know how jealous you make everybody with that kind of lifestyle. It's, it's, and it's something that I know you absolutely appreciate and you don't take for granted. Uh, I want to, I want to go down the, the Ironman path for a bit. 2007, 10th uh, in your age group, 18 to 24. And I think 2008 is when you won your age group in Kona, 18 to 24. God, 18 to 24. Doesn't it seem weird saying that was your age group? <laughs> that was, uh, uh, 
It's like, it feels like yesterday and then it, I cannot even believe it's been what, 15 years or something. <laughs> I, I know that that's absolutely that you just, that's absolutely crazy. But then, uh, you don't come back to Kona until like 2015. You won Coeur d'Alene that year. That was your first Ironman win, wasn't it? In June of 15. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yep. Ironman Coeur d'Alene. I actually met Wadi that year, 2008, uh, when I was 18 to 24 age group. So I met him. Uh, we didn't start dating for about another <laughs> year. So, um, but he's the one that was like, you're so young. Like you don't need to race full distance Ironmans and really tire yourself out. And you're like young, you should go after the halves, speed, things like that. So that was uh, really the cause of the break. And so I focused in on uh, mostly the 70.3 distance. And that was right when it was really starting to become popular and they were adding more and more every year. It was really that, I think, the start of when halves took off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Court 2015 um, was my first win. It was the year that it was like 110 degrees out. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, <laughs> we, everybody was melting. <laughs> yeah. They moved the start up to like 5 a.m. so that it we would supposedly get some colder morning hours in, but I don't know that it made a difference. <laughs> it didn't make a difference. It just made us more miserable because we had to get up so much earlier. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you met Wadi, that's a great, you, you met him there uh, in Kona. Was it like love at first sight? Did you, <laughs> what do you, what was that like? Yeah. So, well, I actually met him in, August, about a month or two prior um, to Kona, but I, I knew I was going to Kona for the 18 to 24 age group, but he and Brad Culp, who <laughs> um, was the editor um, for Triathlete Magazine, and then Wadi was the head of his global mm -hmm. uh, ad sales at the time. They were coming up to the Bay Area where I was living um, just to visit a bunch of the clients up there, try to sell ads. Brad was writing a story on one of the local age group teams and they came on the local Wednesday ride that was out of the San Jose, California area. Um, and I was the only girl that was like up in the front group. It was when Becky Lavelle and Brian Lavelle were racing. Um, and Wadi was up there. He was a, a former cyclist. And so yeah. it was six of us. And I was the only girl up there. I don't think Becky was on the ride that night. And I, at one point we we're going up this hill and there was like a gap forming and I started screaming at Wadi like, don't lose the wheel. You can't get us dropped. Cause I was right behind him and he kind of turned around and he's like, who is this chick? <laughs> <laughs> the group ride ended and him, Brad and I, he's like, why don't you come get beers with us? So that was literally the first night kind of, I knew him and Brad Culp are literally the first kind of like original people I knew in the sport that have, yeah, been a part of it this whole journey. <laughs> and, and all three of you are still a part of it, which is fantastic. And, and, you know, all great relationships, I guess, start with you screaming at each other. You know? <laughs> well, it was good advice from Wadi to kind of do those 70.3s because obviously you came back to Kona in 2015. And the last time we were together was was October of 2019. And isn't it ironic? You know, you do 905, you go 903, then you go 854 in Kona and plays fifth. You must think like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That first 2015 Kona, like I couldn't even, I, yeah, I had no expectations. I was just so happy to be there. Like just so grateful to, um, yeah, be at the start line. I had in 14, knock on wood, was the only injury I've had in this sport. And so I was coming off of a year of that. And so even just to to get there in October of 2015 was I was just so happy. So to come in fifth, it was it was insane. I, I still remember that finish line possibly um, better than most of the other ones. <laughs> well, I, I have to admit, I do, too, because it had been so long since we had an American woman come across the finish line and. And I remember calling your name and and then it hit, oh my gosh, she's the first American woman and top five. It's been, uh, you know, I mean, and, and I don't, you know, I, I don't one over the other or country over the other more excited for it, but I was just excited just because it's been so long. So that was a, I, I can see why you get look back and go, that that was a very special one. And, and it had to be. Are, are you happy, Heather, with how the 2020, 
22, I mean, how the season, this last season of racing went? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, it's a hell of a finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm just so stoked to have ended it on a high note with Florida. I think um, for me coming off of last year um, and almost two years of not racing, I struggled a bit at the start of this year. Um, I think, I think a lot of people probably did. I mean, it's, so I don't, I don't want to complain. It was any worse for me, me than anyone else, but it was, it was tough getting back into it of like planning and races changing and what do you want to focus on? And I, I look back on the first six months of this year and, um, kind of feel just eh, about it. I mean, um, but I kind of regrouped when Kona got canceled again in August and took a little break and was like, okay, what can I do to try to salvage this? And so I'm really happy with, um, kind of that last, last three or four months I put together from September, October into, um, Ironman Florida. So yeah, I, I'm happy. I'm in a good spot now. I'm taking a little regroup again, but (laughs) more getting back into base stuff, some strength work, um, getting in the pool a lot and, um, I'm really looking forward to 2022. Yeah, and I want to talk about that too with your new coach. But before I do, there's two things in Florida I remember succinctly. One, obviously, with the Sacramento Ironman California race being canceled, all of a sudden the men pros were thrust on that race, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be a women pro race only. I loved your attitude at the press conference about it. You know, you and Sky, both your attitudes at the press conference about it. Then the, the like, no matter, you know, we're going to have our race. And then, the, the 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 little tidbits of you back and forth with Sky and uh, going back and forth, but when you two came to the, you came in and then she came into the finish line, it just seemed like such a great mutual respect uh, because everybody always says, oh, do they like one another? And that, to me, <laughs> that doesn't really make any difference. It is the respect there, and it seemed like you both had some great mutual respect at that finish line. Oh, totally. I mean, Sky has proven herself day in and day out the last couple of years. And, um, I felt so bad for her. I think it was before Kona 19. She was meant to be her first one and she got in a horrible bike crash. So she wasn't able to be there. And so for her, and I think she's going to do amazing in Kona. So for her to miss that first one and now have the last couple be moved, I mean, I'm sure she's chomping at the bit to get to, to get to Kona, but um, she, yeah, she had gotten me in the last few races we faced off against each yeah. other. Um, she's American. Like you said, I don't put too much on the, like, I want to be, I want to win races, whether it's against Americans or not, but it also does add that like fun little element of, okay, top American. And so she, all year we've kind of been going back and forth, just, I'm horrible at talking smack, but it, it is like a fun, whatever. <laughs> It's because of the person you're, you're horrible at talking to smack. <laughs> Maybe you should have a smack talker on the side for you. Well, Heather says, you know, <laughs> so many people try to get it going. And I'm just like, I mean, <laughs> you're the best on the day. You're the best on the day. And she had gotten me, um, at other races. She had incredible days. And then I was able to, to get it, uh, this November. So that it was, yeah. it was to re- revalidate, um, get back to like what I know I can do. And I just hadn't, um, had that day come together this year. Um, so yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you talk smack on the course. That's what it's all about. Huh? Let your actions do the talking. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So you do, you do have a new coach, Frank Jacobson. And, and, uh, a question popped in when I was thinking about that, uh, before meeting him and, and, uh, picking him up as your coach, uh, how many more years had you imagined that you're be able to compete at a high level? And has that increased because of some of the philosophy and coaching he's, he's given you? Yeah. I mean, I think it sucks because I feel like I just lost two of my best Konas, um, potentially. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say my best Konas. I think my best Konas ahead of me. I think my best, best races are ahead of me. Um, I just think I lost two opportunities at maybe the peak of my career. So that's kind of been a downer and it's been one of those things I think makes you look more closely at, okay, what are you doing? Are you giving everything you have? Are you making the best decisions in terms of your training, your preparation and to make sure you do make those chances count when we get them. And so that was kind of the start of my, um, I don't know, just evaluating where I was at, where I'm at in my career. Like, I still think I'm, I've just started the sport, but like we were mentioning earlier, it's so crazy. I'm, I know I'm at the other end of it now. And it's, 
I don't want to put a time frame on it in my head though. I know the chances left are limited to race at the highest level. Um, and so whether that's another year, two years, three years, um, I think, I don't know. I think you'll know when you know, I know right now I still have, have a lot left to give and I don't feel that I've put that best race out there. And especially at Kona, I mean, Kona has been my goal the last five years and, um, I want to have another really good go there. And so that, that was the goal when I was looking at what I was doing. And, um, I knew kind of what I was doing the last couple of years, um, wasn't working for me. I felt pretty tired, pretty sluggish, pretty just, um, yeah, I don't want to say what I did didn't help me develop as an athlete. Cause I think I did a lot of things with my previous coach, Ryan Bolton, who I'm, I'll always be grateful to. He taught me a lot about volume, what my body can handle. Um, but I do think I was missing, um, maybe a couple components, the speed component and, and keeping that freshness, um, coming into races that I needed to get back. And, so yeah, I took a little break in August and reevaluated and I actually reached out to Crowey, uh, Craig Alexander, who we talked to quite a bit, uh, my Wadi and I. And so I had like, just talked to him, not about coaching necessarily, just about, um, what he had done in his final few years when he won Kona at, I forget how old he was like 38 or 39. Yeah. Yeah. And he, at the end of one of the calls, he was just like, you know, you need to talk to this guy. He was by my side in the final years of my career. Like he's the smartest coach I know. I really think he can help you. And so he set up a call with Frank um, and that's how it started. And literally we just talked like almost every day for about three weeks, actually. Um, and yeah, Frank's just, I don't know if you know him at all, but he's, I mean, he's an incredible coach. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. He's been around it. He's worked with Crow. He's worked with well, the highest level. He coaches Michelle. He coaches Sarah Spence, who just won Cozumel. Um, but at the the other end of it, for me, it's he's a great guy, and he's someone that like I can talk to every day. He's very um, I don't know what the term is, not blunt, but he he literally I'll load a workout. He calls me like we're on the phone five times a day, and. For me, I'm a horrible communicator. Ryan can attest to that. Like, I'm not good at saying how I feel. Am I tired? Because I, I, I never want to, like, let a coach down or say, oh, no, I feel super tired. Maybe I shouldn't do this today. I, I like, don't communicate well. And so I think Frank works so well because he is the opposite. Like, if I haven't put in how I'm feeling with the training in, in one session, he calls. And so... He knows. <laughs> He calls like every day, like five times a day. And it's insane. Like all leading into Florida, every move was like watched by him. So it was, it was insane. Just that level of, I guess. Yeah. Well, I've seen, and you have too, you've seen where, uh, uh, pros change coaches, change how they approach their training and, and, and racing. And a lot of that, I, I, I don't know if you'd agree, but a lot of that has to be, the, the mental aspect of it all. All of a sudden, you're switching gears and change is a good thing for you. And mentally, all of a sudden, you get rejuvenated. Did you feel that happened with you too? 100%. That's the thing. Like a lot of people will stay with coaches for a while or maybe like be very hesitant to change. Or And I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I think about these things um, as potentially coaching in the, as a coach in the future because it's something I'm interested in possibly doing post-career. Um, just sharing what I've learned. And so I think of it as like, when I'm a coach, if an athlete with me is not responding or is not, um, just needs something new, like, I don't see that as a negative thing. I think you need to constantly be looking for what motivates you, what is refreshing, what maybe it is just a little bit of of change in your training. And that can change everything for you. If you're excited to get out the door, if you're excited to do these workouts, because the workouts are hard, you have to like, want to do them. You have to believe they're going to do something for you. Um, you have to believe in the plan and the trust. And, and that comes from so many other things. Like you're mentioning the the mental side of, okay, this guy is invested. He is calling me every second to ask how this little 100 meter effort in the pool I just did went like that, that above everything gives you the trust that that mattered, that 100 meter effort I just did mattered in the overall prep. And so it gives you that mental component of, you know what, I did everything 
and I'm here ready versus standing on that start line like, oh, maybe I didn't or maybe so-and-so is more prepared. And so it is that mental component that I think is huge. If you're doubting yourself, if you um, have those, yeah, that was the biggest thing for me for sure. In those last two months leading into Florida, it was like every day had a purpose and it was getting me more prepared. And on that start line in Florida, I was like, I'm ready. That that has to be a fantastic feeling because there's so much involved with triathlon and swim, bike, run, nutrition, the whole deal. You know better than anybody and age groupers too. And they'll get to the start line and go, all right, I got two out of three pretty good, but I'm going to suck at this ride. You know, <laughs> and, and but if you go there with the uh, preparation, it sounds like you did for Florida. You, you were right there. Speaking of swim, bike, run, what about... I, you know, you want to improve season to season. And I'm, I'm excited listening to you because I know you're excited about next season coming up. But where do you think the biggest improvements, Heather, are going to come in your racing? Will it be swim, bike, or run? Oh, that's a good question, Mike. I think, I mean, the swim for me will always be a struggle. And I know that I'm going to be limiting losses there. Um, I do think um, I can find some time there um, if I can make that next little group ahead of me, um, then, you know, I think that will, could change dynamics. That being said, um, I've gone the route of being like, I'm all in on my swim. I'm, that's all I'm focusing on right now. And you work so hard and you might not even find anything. And so for me, the bike run, it's always, it's always been my strengths once I get to land. And it's, I think there's still more there. I, I, we had just started getting going, um, before Florida, meaning my work with Frank and, I had gotten back to the type of workouts I used to do when I got into the sport. And when I got into the sport, I was living in San Diego, down where you are. I had just started dating Wadi. We're living in the studio apartment. Um, at the time, Pete Colson was coaching me, who huh. Wadi was friends with, but I was a massive fan of McKeely Jones. I always have been. And so I was like, oh, he helped her. Um, he, was co- he was coaching me. And then Richard Verne. I know you also know RV yeah. was, uh, living like a block away. And so it was the, th- the four of us, um, actually, sorry, one more James Walsh, a local guy. He doesn't live there anymore, but I literally would chase four guys around. We would ride inland San Diego, all out efforts, up circle R, up old castle, all these roads. <laughs> so essentially all out five, six, seven minute efforts over and over. And it was that short, sharp speed. And that like gave me the bike. I guess, prowess that I had at this, when I started the sport of triathlon, I didn't really have the swim or the run. I've had to work on those, but I had that bike and that was a lot also coming off of ice hockey, 20 years of ice hockey. But I felt like I've lost that in the last three or four years. And I finally literally at Florida felt like I had that back, like the wow. strength back the bike and the confidence back. So for me, the bike, and then now continuing to develop the run, I think that's where I can find that little bit more, um, to, to hopefully keep staying near the top of that, the, the pointy end of, of finished results. <laughs> well, isn't it amazing too, how, uh, I think age groupers and some pros alike, they discount that strength factor and, but, but they may discount it when they feel strong, but all of a sudden when they're feeling a little way, oh my gosh, I've got to start working on my strength. And that, that <laughs> it, it seems to, like catch people by surprise that all of a sudden that strength is gone, but you feel like you've got it back now, especially with the Florida race. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you're obviously that we have three things to work on in our sport. And so it's very easy to get wrapped up in, Oh, if I could just swim better, then I'll be up, I'll be up there already. And I won't have to bike or run as hard or not as hard, but at least I can continue to do what I already do. But if you let those other two go, it doesn't matter if you get out ahead, you're not going to be as strong on the bike and run. So it's very easy to get, I think, focus too much on one. I think there are times to do specific blocks, like we'll do a three week swim block, but, um, then also focus back in on the bike and run. And you have to, that's where you have to be very careful with our sport because it, it is three sports. You can't just, um, yeah, single one out. And so to get, I, and that's what I, I feel like I had, let go on 
um, on my bike just because I felt like it was always there and the ice hockey strength had carried over. But after three, four or five years, like that had started to wane. I'd also tried to lose weight for running because I'm like, oh, I need to look like a marathoner. And then I <laughs> kind of like lift upper body because my arms are so weak and I was trying to swim better. And then you let that hockey strength go. And now the last three, four years it was showing. And so um, for me, it was like, yeah. And Frank too, another massive thing with Frank was he's like, you're not eating enough period. Like, and I was eating more than I ever have in the final six weeks leading into Florida. And I was like, Frank, I'm going to gain like 10 pounds. <laughs> and I didn't, it was, I literally stayed the same weight. I wasn't trying to lose weight. I wasn't counting calories. I was eating like so much. It was so crazy. And all my workouts were better. I was pushing so much more power, like so many more training hours just because I was literally always full. I was like, oh my God, I need to go work out. Like (laughs) I just ate so much. Um, And so it was this whole shift of like, what have I been doing the last three, four years of like, oh, I need to be lean. I need to look like a fast runner. But in our sport, I mean, you need to be fit and lean and, but it's, I think a lot of people put too much emphasis on that when it comes to, you need to be strong and you're going to get more out of your training. If you're, you have the calories and energy in you to, to nail those workouts day in and day out. So. Well, that's, that's great advice. I, I because it, you know, we all can't look like a Des Linden because, because <laughs> we're not just, just marathoners. Uh, hold on everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Even after 40 years on the microphone at thousands of events welcoming hundreds of thousands of athletes to the finish lines, I am still in awe by the incredible endurance of each and every athlete and what you display. The physical exertion, the sweat, and the challenges you put your body through deserve a level of support that match your dedication. As the official medical supplier for the Ironman US Series, Curad Performance Series lineups of wraps, tapes, bandages, supports, and braces give you, the serious athlete and weekend warriors alike, the optimal support needed to keep moving, including new far infrared kinesiology tape technology, which reduces energy made through body heat, back to targeted areas to help you heal faster and enhance performance. So don't you let sprains and muscle pain hold you back, recover smarter, and shop the entire Curad Performance Series on Amazon. I'm gonna switch gears a little bit because I just saw where, uh, and I want your opinion on this, the, the PTO just announced, what, three races with like a prize purse of a million dollars. And the, the schedule of those events are kind of, you know, before Kona, leading up to Kona. Will something like that, uh, you know, affect your Hawaii goals or, or your year? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think what the PTO is doing is incredible. It's bringing so much attention to our professional field in triathlon for sure. Um, that being said, I feel like I'm in a bit of a unique position being near the tail end of my career. And the fact that when I came into this sport, Kona was the one of the first races I ever saw. I saw the NBC coverage. Um, I was just out of college and I was like, wow, that is amazing. Like I want to be there. Um, and so for me, this, my, like this sport has been about that. And Kona has always been my goal and it's, um, it's the world championships, um, as of now, I mean, whether that starts to shift, I think with the new one in St. George, I don't know if, um, they'll consider starting to do that. Who knows where our sport is heading, but, um, where I'm at in my career, Kona has been the goal and will be the goal. And so for me, I will be, yeah, as ready as I can be, whether or not some of the, I hope to be at most of those for sure. I mean, it's going to be the best women, best fields out there. It's the best in the world because of that prize money. And that's what the prize money, um, while it's amazing for professionals, that's what causes, the best races because the best in the world are going to want to be there for that. So, um, I literally just saw the announcement myself as well. So I was like looking at the calendar, like, huh, will this fit in? Will not Edmonton one, um, Paula Finley and Eric, they live here in Bend. And so, um, I had known about the Edmonton one. Paula's mom is actually, uh, helping race direct it. So, um, 
that that looks like a cool one. It's also, I think, the same time as Placid, which is one of my favorites. So it's it's one of those. It's um, I hope to be at some of those. I think what the PTO is doing is going to change possibly the future of the sport and what races become the big championship ones. Um, but for me right now, yeah, I mean Kona, October twenty twenty two is is the goal and what i'm focused on for the next 10 months is on the schedule yeah yeah well i, I don't know i just got that feeling of the pros you know you, you you're gonna like you juggle to make it work to your best advantage that's all you can probably hope for what the future holds is what the future holds who the heck <laughs> who the heck knows you yeah. know there's also been you know there's been so much talk about the 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 course record things you know obviously with christian what he did in cozumel and what Lionel and Jan did in their match to match race. And do you think there needs to be a, uh, uh, you know, across the board certification like they have in, in running, you know, for the, for the 140.6 miles? Yeah, that's a good, I saw a bit of that. I haven't, I haven't read too much on it of the record. I, I did see stuff floating around out there about that. And I didn't even see if they counted it or not as a record, but it's, <sighs> What makes it tough in our sport is the bike and run you can measure for sure and make it very, um, I guess, uniform or what you're saying, make it a certified course. The swim, I mean, the swim is tough. You look at a a swim like a Chattanooga or Cozumel, like it's downriver. So it could be the right distance, whether it was or not. I don't, I I miss that, but like that's literally a 10 to 15 minute difference. And then you get a course like Florida, which was... You know, it was correct, but well, <laughs> the other way correct because the buoys were moving. <laughs> yeah, they, it was it was a it was it was a moving target out there. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough like. How do you certify a certain course when on the day? Um, yeah, it, there's three. I guess my point is there are three sports that you have to make sure are. Um, certified or measured correctly. And then that's three different possible errors and then three different climates and environments you're dealing with in terms of like the swim buoys being moved or downstream or, and that makes a massive difference when you're going after records. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it can't, it it, it certainly is not going to be as easy as, as measuring a point to point Boston marathon. We, we know that, but hopefully there's some kind of formulation that that can all be figured out in the future. All right, enough about that. <clears throat> you know, the training and the tough stuff. Tell me about Team Plush. What, uh, <laughs> tell me about Team Plush. I want to hear about it from you. Thanks, Mike. Yes. Um, so Plush is our new team. I love uh, that name, by the way. Plush. Where where's it come from? Where's Yeah, that's all I mean, that's all Waddy. He uh <laughs> back in the eighties when he was still in publishing, um, before Triathlete, he actually worked for some other magazines winning one of the big mountain bike magazines in the eighties was called plush. It was more mountain bike tribute, like plush ride, all these different things. But I guess it was this underground magazine. It wasn't just like a pretty like wide circulated, well-known, but it had like at the time before Twitter and Instagram, all this stuff where you could get all the info you wanted. Like this magazine had the info, it had the stories, it had the photos. And so if you were able to get it, and so it was kind of a tribute to that. And he was like this underground team. Um, we, as, as some people maybe, or most people know, we had, um, a bit of a split with an ex-business partner. Um, we went our separate ways and, um, yeah, this was our, our attempt to, um, continue to provide something to all the people who have supported Wadi and I the last 10 years with our racing team that was formerly Wadi Inc. And Plush is our new team. And a lot of the people who supported us there have moved over. They were, I guess, the groundwork for this new team. Um, and then we'll open up next year, um, applications. We've gotten a lot of just questions like, oh, do you, are you guys doing a team again? And um, it was just kind of a, a carryover right now, but next year it will be 
Um, we'll have applications and open to the public and hope to kind of grow this thing in terms of um, just, yeah, a like-minded group of triathletes. Or, or triathletes or uh, we've got a lot of gravel racers, just really endurance. Any any endurance sport or anyone just wants to be involved. We're going to hold camps. Um, we're going to have training camps, um, just fun camps. We're talking about uh, when we were over in Maui, Wadi's really good friends with the owner of Maui Cycle, Donnie. Donnie, yeah. He wants to um, do a camp there. And so more like a fun camp, like go surfing, riding, gravel riding. Um, so just people who enjoy racing will support each other on the courses. Wadi's going to make some cool gear, cool kits, um, and hold camps, have gatherings, check in. We'll do, we're going to have, obviously I race professionally for the team, but we have some other pros that are going to race for us announcements on that coming soon. So we'll do, um, seminars with our pros, um, possibly coaching if athletes are interested in that, but yeah, it's just, we're just so grateful to everyone that's kind of carried over after kind of a tough year, um, for us on the business side. Yeah. Business, business is is so rewarding, but at times it just just pulls you down. It sucks, but you guys are coming out of that. I can just see Heather. I can just see pl- the plush factor all over the place at races. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. And I can imagine what Waddy's going to design. Uh, I'll see it. I can look a mile down the finish chute. I go, here comes another one. You know? yeah. <laughs> right, we'll have to get you a kit. <laughs> yes. Yes. I got to have my riding kit. What mm-hmm. is there some place they can kind of pre sign up for the team now or, or they have to wait a little while? Um, the team will kind of get things more announced. I think the start of the year, um, and we'll have gear for sale for all it's more, we'll have the team kits. Um, we're, we're lucky enough to be working with Luke and Beth over at Win this Wynn, year and yeah. a manufacturer, a great kit for us. Wadi, they've designed it. So, um, that'll just be for this first year. And then after that, um, when we kind of get it off the ground and, you know, everyone's at the races and kind of see that momentum, then we'll open up, um, there, we have a website plushglobal.com, but, um, yeah, work in, work in progress. We can't wait to see it all. So congratulations <laughs> on that, because I know, you know, from one business to the next and building a business as, as you and Wadi know is, is not an easy task. So congratulations to both of you on that. Heather, do you, do you feel you're a, uh, a role model to younger women who are trying to get into try and and do you is is that a responsibility that you want to take on is that a responsibility that oh wow why are they looking at me like this how do you feel about that <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like I always feel so well I feel humbled but I feel so like I still feel like I'm I look to so many people look up to so many people and like feel that way so when I like, sorry, I'm, I'm struggling for words, but uh, I understand I about young women looking up to me. I'm like, really? Like, oh my God, thank you. Like, I don't, it, it, it does make me more, I guess, conscious now, especially, I guess, at the end of my career, um, later on being like, wow, like I didn't do this necessarily be, to do that as like a direct reason. Like I wanted to race. I wanted to be the best I could be. I want to go out and try to win races, but Um, now when I look, I have a bigger picture of the whole, my whole career and journey and where I'm at. It's like that, you know, it's an honor. It's an absolute honor. Um, when I hear that from people and it does make me more conscious now of trying to incorporate that more in of like, Oh, do, am I motivating you to get out the door? If maybe you don't want to today, are you on a weight loss journey? Are you young up and coming athlete who wants to be here one day? Um, like, can I help you at all? How can I, can I, you know, offer advice in any way? And so for me, yeah, I I think it's, it's an honor first and foremost. And then secondly, I do, I am interested in, um, yeah, helping that next generation. And like I mentioned prior, um, possibly coaching in the future. And if not coaching, then even just like, um, advising in any way or like offering, um, I don't know what the, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is here in Bend, um, Lauren Fleshman and Jesse Thomas of Picky Bars, they live here. And Lauren does a lot with female runners and she holds these camps. They're called wilder retreats. And they go to this cabin in around Bend in the middle of the woods. And it's partly writing, which is another passion of hers. Um, but it's also just like gathering and talking and advice and kind of, um, business or training or anything. But 
for me, like I've always wanted to go to one of those because that idea just sounds so motivating, kind of a, a reset. You're in a cabin in the woods. And I've always had that plan of like, how can I do this for others where I could incorporate not just, it's not just the training and the racing. It's how can you shape someone's life? And for me, like, can I offer a group of women this opportunity to let's get a cabin in the woods and bend or wherever we might be down in Patagonia, Arizona, we gravel ride, we, um, write in journals, we cook meals together, enjoy wine, like just have that experience. Because I think especially coming out of COVID, um, people are getting back more and more to those sort of things like valuing experience, valuing, um, FaceTime with people like one, like, actually being in person with friends. Um, so for me, like that was long winded, but going from coaching to possibly those experiences are I can help, um, whether it is younger athletes, younger women, um, or also just any females on this journey. Um, yeah, it's definitely in my plans. (laughs) Well, Heather, I, you know, you've had a lot of success. You're still going to have a lot of success in the sport and you know what that does for you feeling wise, but, I, I'm going to tell you, mentoring, uh, and I've had the opportunity to do it, can bring back to you so much energy, so much good feeling. And I think you're going to be one of the best in the business, coach, mentor. Because you, you imagine you you could be talking to a 24-year-old, and she could be a world champion you know, 12 years after that. That's, that's such a huge possibility because you've been there. And uh, so I, I, I hope you do take that path because I think you'd be one of the best around best uh-huh. around. And you know, from talking to somebody like Crowey, I mean, talking to him, every time I talk to him, I want to go out and run a hundred miles. I mean, the, the guy is just, I, I love him to death. And people like that out there need to stay with us in, in the sport. And I, I know you'll do that and you'll be, you'll be unbelievable. And you're in one of your best, you know, bringing <laughs> your mom into the finish line, Diane, into the Ironman Lake Placid. Well, what an influence in your life to have a mom who's an Ironman finisher. She raised you like uh, perfectly. You it was, what was it like growing up being around someone like your mom and, and having that example? Oh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, no, I mean, my mom is incredible. She's literally, yeah, why I am where I am. Um, and that's not to say that, like, growing up, I don't know that I had that same I don't think you know in the time necessarily, like what exactly you're getting from your parents or they're giving you. And I certainly didn't recognize that then. And so I, I'm so grateful now as an adult and I see her as a person, as a friend, and we're, we're way closer now than we were, than I was growing up. Like she was a disciplinarian. She was the one that, you know, taught me everything in terms of like, um, just, yeah, accountability of being at practices, of being at, um, giving your best in sport, like just, yeah, everything with athletics. She was a gym teacher for 30 plus years. She had me in every single sport there was. (laughs) She, she and my dad were driving me to, I played on like five soccer teams, five different ice hockey teams. Like I played every sport before I specialized in those two, but basketball, softball, horseback riding, tennis, like gymnastics. I did everything. And they were just like, you can, you like always about working hard, always about giving everything. And if you worked hard, then, you know, you could be there. Like they, the whole Ironman thing of like, or I guess Lionel, (laughs) no limits. I mean, my whole childhood of like, why can't you be there? Oh, you want to go to the Olympics? Why can't you work hard? And you could possibly get there. So I had that drilled into me my whole life by them. And so that's, what's carried over. I think, um, yeah, I mean my whole life through ice hockey, through soccer, but now in triathlon and for them to be a part of this journey, racing themselves, being at almost every race I'm at, they travel to all of them now. Um, they train here. So we're always training together or at least like, Oh, we're going to the lake swimming in the summer. So it's just, yeah, it means everything to me that they're a part of this. I mean, like, a lot of people might struggle if partners or family aren't into it. They might come to a race or two, but my parents are at almost everyone. Um, and it's, yeah, that's it's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. And, and, you know, your, your bubbly gregarious personality, uh, comes from them. And, and, uh, we, we don't, that is some, you know, something you said, we just don't know if, 
if when we're being raised, if it's the right thing or the wrong thing, you find out later. But being pushed and and uh, parents showing children no limits, uh, you know, they don't need the helicopter and bubble wrap them to death. But <laughs> show them the show them that there's no limits, and uh, have your actions speak louder than words. And and that's what I think all great parents do. Uh, how, 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 uh, by the way, you are still Diane's little girl. You know that, don't you? She's still, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Which is, my, my daughter, who's, you know, your age, I, she's my little girl. So that's, <laughs> oh, does she race? No, she ran, she ran Boston Marathon, great athlete. Her husband uh, did Ironman Arizona uh, about two years after my son did it. So, yeah, she's, you know, she's a former gymnast. She was a gymnast. Oh. And, uh, yeah, she just, and her two boys are just playing baseball, soccer. You know, oh, she's working them to death. I love it. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> just working them to death. That's, that's the best. What advice, uh, Heather, would you give, uh, you know, we've been going through, such trying times. And, you know, we, when we read the paper, when you read the news, you know, there's more coming, they say, and sometimes you just have to block that out. But what, what advice would you give to our age groupers who are struggling, especially at this time of year, which is a tougher time of year for a lot of people? Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, my first advice would be limit the online or the TV or the, I just, I had to stop like getting on every single day or just Good like use on. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't want to, I come from like a poli sci background and like, I actually wanted to be a reporter when I was in college for one point and now, so I don't want to bash media, but I literally am like, you cannot watch that. Like you don't even know what to, <laughs> what the source is. And I know yeah. <laughs> crazy. So I'm like, limit that time. Like even social media these days, like, I feel like it became, especially when there wasn't much else going on with COVID, it's like you get caught up in it and just get back to getting off that, enjoying time with family and friends. Um, I think my advice, like not looking too far ahead or making set plans, at least in terms of triathlon right now, like for me, I'm looking at, I take it like, well, one day by day, I have like a little planner and I like plan out the day. I look at the week, what to do in the week, what I want to accomplish. And that's training and also everything, like spend more time with my family. Like, okay, let's, and then actionable steps for that. Okay. I'm doing dinner Tuesday and Friday with my parents. Um, so like breaking things down to easy steps and not like looking too far ahead, um, in terms of like, just enjoy the now, like be more in the now. That's what I'm currently trying to do is like, you never know when it might, things might change or might be the, la the last day. You never know. It's like live right now because, um, that's what you have. We have right now. And what am I going to do today? Um, versus I feel like I always planned out like, okay, you know, a year in advance or in October, I'm going to be here. I mean, I still have that, but it's like today let's, let's make the most of today. Good. Great advice. Because I think people do, you know, if they don't live in the present, they either live in the future and the past, and both of them can't really do much for you. One's gone, and the other one, we don't know what the heck is coming. So, live <laughs> totally. today like like what they say, like it's a present, like it's a holiday present. So yeah. that, that is great advice, Heather. My last question on find your finish line comes out of the Baja One Thousand racing. I've got good friends that have raced the Baja One Thousand. I've raced down there with them, and and uh, they reminisce after the race. They get together, coming off the desert, and they call it uh, table race. They sit around the table or the picnic bench or whatever, and they talk about the event. I call it tri-table racing. So reminisce with us a memory of an event that comes into your mind, uh, a good or bad memory, something that it sticks with you. So reminisce with us a, a tri-table racing about, about an event and something that happened at it anywhere, anytime. Any race, any memory. Any, any memory. Oof. So many, though. <laughs> That is such a tough one. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with, um, and not just because I dwell on, okay, I made the podium in Kona, but I was going through Kona photos the other day looking for um, some flashbacks. And um, Wadi was also on a call the other day with Joe Gambles, who was coaching me at the time. So my memory is the year I got third in Kona in 2016, Joe was coaching me. He, Wadi, and RV, RV is in so many of my 
my triathlon memories were on this on the Queen K as I'm coming back in. There's about three miles left, and I was in second place behind Daniela, and Rennie was coming, and I was like, "Oh my God, Rennie! Of course she is!" <laughs> and she comes like running by, and Joe, RV, Wadi, they're all screaming like, "Stay with her! Just hop on her behind her!" And I'm looking over, and I was like, "What? Are you kidding me?" It's Rennie. And like, she runs by and I'm like, good job, Rennie. You got this. And they were screaming like, focus, focus, stay with her. And for me, it was like, it still stands out because I, I, in the moment I was like, I was so happy for her that she was like running by that. I was like, it, it was surreal. Like, and it was just, a, that day was a dream come true, but I always try to get back to when I'm racing in any race, let alone when I go to Kona, like that type of environment where there's no pressure, there's no, you're not worried about results. And now when I look back, I think I should have been more serious, like focus on that. Like it, it, the days, like race days that just come together where you're just in the zone and you're doing what you can do. And it was like, that's one of my best memories in Kona. Not cause I got third, like I'm, that will forever be one of my, my best results and best memories, but it was the race itself because like, I was just so grateful and happy to be there and everything going on, even when it was like Rennie, who was another one of my idols coming into this sport, her and McKeely, um, that like I was there with her. And so um, we always talk about that, of just that gratitude of um, the gratitude to be there and be able to do it, let alone whatever happens on the day. So (laughs) that's a a great memory. And, you know, your humbleness is your strength, uh, Heather. I hope I hope you realize that and know that it is a true strength. But I have to tell you, I can just hear Vernie's <laughs> Kiwi voice screaming yes. at you. Pick it up, run it. You know, since he's a pure runner, pick it up I, out there on the Queen K. That had to be something else. Too bad it's not on video. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> Heather, thank you very much for your time. Uh, and thank you very much. I wanted to save the best for last of the last podcast of 2021 for Find Your Finish Line. So thank you for accommodating and and your picture there in Bend. I I can imagine 20 minutes from now, you're going to be out playing in the snow somewhere. Exactly. Oh my (laughs) gosh. What an honor, Mike. Honestly, thank you so much for for everything and your support and having me on. But yeah. (laughs) I love you. You take care of yourself and uh, uh, we'll see you next year somewhere down the line. You know that. Yes. Yes. Thank you again, everybody, for joining us for... Another edition of Find Your Finish Line presented by Curad Performance Series, the official medical supplier of Ironman. The last show of the year, I'd like to give a big thanks to BCC, Boulder County Communications. Mel and uh, Dave Downey, Melinda and Dave Downey. Uh, we've got Marcus and Dylan with their big help. Thank you very much for the production of the show. To Andy Riley from Event Grow uh, Marketing. Andy uh, is my, <laughs> my son, but he is my rock. He uh, produces this show and uh, always lets dad know when it's good or when it's bad. So thank you for that, buddy. And all the age groupers out there who have supported Find Your Finish Line since the beginning. When we started it, I had no idea what this thing was going to be all about, but it's just amazing how many of you are listening and sending in your comments and things like that. So I appreciate it. We'll have uh, 20 great episodes for 2022. I can't wait for that to happen. And I can't wait to see you at the next event. So take care of yourselves, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And as always, my warmest aloha.